Good morning. There we go. Our call to worship is a responsive reading from the book of Daniel. We're preaching through the book of Daniel, and this is one part of the passage for this morning. So let's uh, view this. Uh, get us to there. There we go. And I'll let y'all advance it in the back there. We're kind of training and learning some things as we go. So let me lead and then you respond from Daniel chapter 2. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and he said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise. He reveals deep and hidden things. We thank and praise you, God of our ancestors. Let us sing together, sing praise to God who reigns above, verses 1 and 5. Amen. And be seated if you would, please. Well, greetings and welcome. First of all, to all of you who are here on site, it's good to be together. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm keeping my mask off so I can speak and you can pick up the visuals, but that means I can't sing. And many of you are saying, well, you never could sing, mask or no mask. But I appreciate you keeping masks on as we try to take care of each other so we can be together. That's on site, but I welcome as well those who are uh, with us by live stream. Good morning. And those who will see the service recorded later in the week. We've really been encouraged and and surprised uh, by the response we've had, and uh, we're continuing to learn how to improve that experience. The goal here is that in the worship of God, 
His grace may work in our hearts and make us more faithful disciples. That's the target that we're looking for. Well, some quick information things I want to share with you. This Thursday evening, when I sent out the celebration in form, an email, um, we went back to an older format that let me do more layout and links and connections and things. So you'll find a lot more resources. If you did not get an email Thursday night, it means we need to update our uh, email address book and either let me know or Christine know. Christine can help make sure you get those because there'll be important information in there and we're going back to that. One of the information items that was in there that I'm really excited about is Hardawike will have a new app that's good for smartphones or for tablets. Um, it's easy to put on if you have any questions. Again, Christine is our key person. Why don't you turn around and wave to Christine. And we'll say thank you, Christine, for helping us with that. Hoorah. Um, but in that app, one tap after it's installed, you can go to the live stream or you can go to a previous sermon or some other things we have. So that's going to be very helpful and simplified. There's also a sermon resources blog. Uh, as we were collaborating on our sermon preparation, we kept feeling like there was so much rich material in Daniel that we would either need to preach for about three hours or put some of it on a website that you could go look at. So right now we're thinking we'll put it on the website. Um, but there's a lot of really exciting material. I, I unpack the challenge of the dream in extensive detail. So make sure you're part of that. The other thing I want to show you, and I'll just hit it real quickly at the end of the service. Again, there's some details on the sermon resources. I meet with a group of men about every other week for some spiritual conversation. And what we do is we take a gospel-centered daily reading book like this, and we read one page a day. And then when we get together for conversation, we say, what did you underline for the past two weeks? Well, um, and that book, by the way, is New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. He's a guy that has really helped shape my life and my understanding of ministry in light of the gospel. Um, one of the daily readings that I'll point to next time we meet on Monday is how I'm going to close the sermon. And you can get that on the Sermon Resources blog. Consider spiritual conversations that, that matter because it certainly has shaped my life. Um, Another thing I've realized, the past three Sundays, I've had to leave celebration and then go serve preaching or uh, playing bass in fusion. But this Sunday, I'm looking forward to connecting with everybody in the breezeway by the north entrance. It's good to have that freed up time. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're working together so we can be together. And I'm glad that we're able to use technology to connect more people to the hope that comes to us in the gospel of God's grace. You know, the gospel of God's grace has enriched and enlivened my heart, but it's nothing new with me. That's why I love to recite, again, this first question from the Heidelberg Catechism. So I'll ask that we put that on the sc screen. Yeah, there we go. And my question to you is this, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll get it. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. 
He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Let's sing together, Be Thou My Vision. Let us turn to God and pray together. O Lord, our God and Father, we thank you that you have called us from simply image bearers of the King to becoming children of the great King. Thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ that is the way from one to the other. Fill us with a great hope this day that comes from a vision of your kingdom and the place you would have us in it. Help us to bear fruit in the places that you have purposed us to be and fill us this day with hope. Thank you that we are not alone. Holy Spirit, you have gathered your people and in this particular gathering, Hardawike Ministries, we pray for Hardawike, for Pastor Darwin and Norlin and Nate and Lori with our children, for Dee and for Christine and for Pastor Mary. We thank you for their good work and calling. Guide and bless them. We pray too for the ministry of Neighbors Plus as they seek to navigate these changing times, a virtual uh, fundraising race, things like that. But the need for families in our community continues great. So we pray you would arm and enable this particular wing of our ministry. Be with Pastor Aaron and the Watershed community, their search committee, as they continue to um, look for a full-time person there. We pray for Fusion and for Pastor Kyle Rodriguez, who will be preaching this day. Thank you for the chance that Aaron and Kyle and I had to collaborate and pray for this very moment. We long to see the birthing of your word in people's hearts and lives. We pray, for, too, for Pastor Florencio and Mission that will be meeting right here in just a few hours and declaring the glories of Jesus. 
We thank you, Father, that you have, in your great love for us, bound us together, and so we care for one another. We pray for John and Doreen at the death of their son, Mark, for, for Barb as her surgery has been rescheduled, and for Joyce following the death of her brother-in-law. For others, Father, who are recovering or facing surgery, who are making uh, decisions about life and, and how this will play out for them over the next months. For medical needs, for emotional and relational needs, we pray that you would minister your grace and use us to your glory. Father, this is our week to pray for the state of Michigan, for those in authority on that level of government. We pray, Father, that you would guide and use the rulers that uh, are in place. And so we pray by name for Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Attorney General Dana Nessel and Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. We pray that you would use them and their administrations even beyond themselves to bring peace to the land, to bring flourishing and shalom, even as we see Daniel doing in our sermons. We pray for our state house representatives, for Mary Whitford and Jim Lilly and Bradley Slong, for State Senator Roger, Roger Victory. We pray for all of those fathers. We come to this season of election and we pray that you would guide your people to prayerfully consider and to be faithful at every step that you would call them. Speak to our hearts, Father, and guide us through a very challenging and confusing time even. We pray for missionaries, Father, who go out from uh, Hardawake. And this week we pray for Pablo and Cheryl Canche in Mexico City. We pray that you would extend the work of your kingdom through them in those neighborhoods where they're encouraging and helping develop uh, churches. We pray that every person might have a friend or neighbor from whom they can hear the gospel of your grace. Now, Father, we pray too that you would hear our prayers. We pray together just as Jesus taught us saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Well, remember the setting of the book of Daniel as we dig into the word here. Daniel, as a very young man, would have been picked up and everything he knew about God and God's promises and loving God and worshiping God was destroyed in Jerusalem. And he was carried off to Babylon, a city of wickedness. And at that place, he makes this amazing discovery. God is here too, first with a question mark like you see in the graphic, and then with an exclamation point. It's good news. So we're now into the second chapter of Daniel. And I want to give you a theme that will run throughout this. When God's people find themselves in a foreign land, our responses tend to be either isolation, we try to bubble off and, and maintain what God has for us by staying separate, assimilation, which is simply to give up the ghost and be like them, 
But with Daniel and all through this book, we see this call to be with God on mission, all right, and how critical that is. So um, at this point, I'm going to read several of the verses from chapter 2, and Connor, if you would just press ahead while I read and have these up. So let's go to the first. It'll be verse 14. And I'll read and we'll advance these so that people here on site uh, can see this scripture as well. Let us hear the word of God. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Note, you speak to your executioner kindly. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. You gave me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. In verse 44, in the times of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to other people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces." The great king has shown, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that you've loved us enough to not leave us to our own designs, but instead to speak into human language and into human life and human history, your purposes and will. So we thank you for the life of Daniel and for the way this was recorded, for the way it's been preserved across centuries, so that now by your grace we may open this word, translate it into a language we all share, and reflect on it. Holy Spirit, illumine this word to our hearts and minds that the gospel of your grace would be big in us to your glory and for the benefit of other people. Thank you for your kindness, O oh God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's a big chapter, but it all sticks together. It's one series of events around one particular crisis. Let me kind of step through this, if you will, and give you that broad view again. 
I want to recap the events of Daniel 2. First of all, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has a dream. It's an upsetting dream. We're not even sure he can remember it, but it is kind of that moment. Have you ever waked up and you know you just had a bad encounter, but you couldn't tell exactly what it was? Well, from there, he summoned his wise men, astrologers of the Babylonian counselors. He, uh, he summoned them to interpret the dream for him, but refused to tell them its contents. This task, those people declared impossible. Why? Verse 11, because the gods who give such dreams do not live among men to reveal such information. Aha. This is where the good news of the gospel begins to work its way in. In his rage at their refusal, Nebuchadnezzar sentenced all of his wise men to death, a fate which included Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But when Daniel learned of this decree, he asked the king for more time, and he went to the Lord in prayer, seeking the dream and its interpretation. The Lord answered his prayer and gave him both the dream and its meaning, and Daniel responded with praise and thanksgiving. The next morning, Daniel is taken to Nebuchadnezzar, where he recounts the dream and gives its interpretation. It's about a statue made in sections of gold, silver, bronze, and so on, each one representing a different kingdom to follow the previous one, and each one of less strength than the previous one. Verse 47, the king then said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. That's the climax, the central point. If you only underline one verse in Daniel chapter 2, that's it. The reason there was this crisis, the reason they acted and responded as they did was so that God, by his grace, could use Daniel to get Nebuchadnezzar to that point. Surely your God is the God of gods. It ends with an addendum, but not the main point. Namely, that none of the king's wise men were killed, and Daniel and his friends were promoted. Fascinating. Here in this story, there's three key words I want to give you uh, to carry with you and to see for your own mission and what it means to live with God on mission in a foreign city. The first is this, we recognize that Daniel had proximity. That means he was close in location. Look at the people that he had proximity with in this particular passage. First of all, was those people with whom he did his work, his coworkers people that he spent time with. There was Arioch, the commander of the king's great guard. And when Arioch brought the sentence of death for Daniel and everyone else, Daniel would have thought of his co-workers, but he could also speak to the commander of the guard. He was well-placed and had relationships that mattered. Daniel could even be taken to Nebuchadnezzar under threat of death at this moment, and he could ask for more time. And somehow Nebuchadnezzar would say, okay, that's Daniel. He wants another day. He's worth it. You see how he's well-placed? He's got relationships that have developed over time. He's got insight. He's believing, I sense, that God has placed him there. 
that he has proximity to where God would use him. These co-workers, the Bible calls them wise men, enchanters, magicians, diviners. They're astrologers. Now, it's real easy for believing Christians to say, oh, astrologers? This is, you don't want to mix with them. Well, Daniel did not let his life be determined by astrologers, but he also didn't let his relationships or proximity lack just because of who they were. Who were the people in your life who were as distanced from you as Daniel and his astrologer co-workers? Do you still have a proximity of relationship and respect? He would save their lives, we see by the end of the story. Any of the people looking to undermine you at school, would you save their life? Daniel shows us a different way. They would have been jealous of him, these co-workers. They probably shunned him when they went in for lunch at the um, Babylonian cafeteria for Nebuchadnezzar's employees. They would have all sat over here and left him there. But in the moment of need, Daniel had proximity and relationship. But there's another group that he has proximity with that I think is really important. And I want to introduce you. Some of you will recognize I'm just borrowing this term from Scotty Smith, one of my favorite prayer teachers. And I want to teach you that Daniel had what we'll call a gospel posse. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, three other Hebrew young men. We'd seen them in the first chapter. They had covenanted together to trust God and to find their identity in God rather than in Babylon. So they would preach the gospel to one another. They'd encourage one another. They were there for each other. When Daniel found himself well-placed in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom to face a crisis, he gathered up those people who were close to him, and he said, guys, we need to pray. I want to ask you, friends, who do you call? Who do you call when you face that kind of challenge? Can they pray? Daniel had proximity, several different circles of relationship, but he was not a man to hide. Another thing that Daniel had in this setting was empathy. You could call this chapter Nebuchadnezzar and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander, if you've read that book to your children, had a bad, bad day, a disturbing dream. What was it? He wakes up all agitated, can hardly remember what it was, but it still ekes at him. So he tells his astrologers and wise men and counselors, tell me what it is. Otherwise, you're just buying for time and manipulating the circumstance. An unreasonable demand. Have you ever been in a place where you are making impossible demands of other people. And what you need instead is someone who can enter your life because they're close, but with a measure of empathy to be able to really speak to you, not just at you. Nebuchadnezzar passes judgment, in this case, capital punishment. That won't make you popular. How do you think everybody around Nebuchadnezzar felt after that had been decreed? You have to know that he was in a room where a number of folks said, when he turns his back, should I just stab him and save everybody else? Imagine the tension. 
Daniel can enter into that and in a fascinating way have empathy for Nebuchadnezzar. I never would have thought I could have said that. But look at him. He doesn't go to Nebuchadnezzar and say, this is unfair, our constitutional, all these things. No, he goes into the king and says, will you give me more time? I can't solve your problem, but my God can. He's got an empathy to be more concerned about Nebuchadnezzar and his friends than he does about his situation. Friends, I want to tell you something. We are surrounded by neighbors whose world is breaking down in a way just as it was for Nebuchadnezzar. We're often struggling with that ourselves. Let's be honest. Like Daniel under death threat, we can be placed with proximity into the lives of people who are struggling. And the question becomes, will we let God's grace give us an empathy that sees not only their problem, but hears the cry of their heart? Can we hear the heart cry of people who are different from us? Can we hear what keeps them up at night? I mean, what keeps you up at night? What do you worry about? What presses hard for you? I have a dear friend in Alexandria, Louisiana, an African-American pastor, but he's got a brother who's both a pastor and a state highway patrol. Boy, as I pray for my friend Raymond, I pray with a sense of empathy because we've been together and because I know the cry of his heart. I can't get that from NBC News, but I can from my time with Raymond and our texting back and forth. We are surrounded by neighbors whose world is breaking apart. Can you hear their heart cry? You know, you don't have proximity when the door is shut or the gated community keeps them there. God would call us to enter into lives and to to let him build bridges of empathy. Let me tell you some of the ways that things are breaking down. A lot of folks who think the world is about if I obey God's rules, then I'll receive God's blessing are feeling a little disappointed right now. You can obey all God's rules you know, and there are still people getting sick and an economy affected. It's bigger than us. You can obey God's rules all you want as a believer in China. You still may find yourself in prison. People's lives fall apart if they build their lives thinking that life is fair. You hope life is fair. We try to work for a fair life. But are you counting on life being fair? It'll disappoint you. There's hope in that. But first you have to see that disappointment. Many modern people feel that we should have the technology to fix anything, and they find their security in that. I remember on September 11, 2001, watching the airplanes go into the Twin Towers and thinking I had a cousin working there. Friends, I want to tell you, We can plan, we can control, we can research, but we never, ever have everything in our hands. 
I remember as I led the school in Louisiana, I would see middle schoolers in particular with a deep need to be liked by their Instagram followers. And sometimes that doesn't happen. It can be a brutal place. Have we taken up proximity so that by God's grace we can have an empathy? And when we get there, what do we offer? Here's what's fascinating to me. Daniel clearly trusted in the Lord. He staked his life on the Lord. He goes into Nebuchadnezzar, one of the people with a death threat, and he says, "Uh, could you give me some time? I can't fix your problem, but my God can. Whoa! He staked his life on the Lord. He did not walk in there with Babylonian wisdom. Remember, Daniel and his friends had mastered that. They were better than the Babylonians, but that's not what he had to offer that day. He didn't go in there with vengeance. Oh, king, you exiled my people. Now's my time. He was not jockeying for position or advancement. Oh, why don't you get rid of them and I'll get your answer. No, he enters in through proximity because of a bridge of empathy, he then communicates God's grace. I love how he gathered his gospel posse and turned to the Lord. Who do you gather? Can you really share your fears with another group of people? Do you have a prayer life? Here's a deeper question that really struck me. Do you have a prayer life that could seek and hear God? Because if all you can do is seek and then go get busy. No shame, but I want to tell you something. Jesus himself promises more than that in prayer. It was Jesus in John 10 who said, my sheep hear my voice. I want to tell you one of the reasons you want to cultivate a prayer life across years is because across years, you'll begin to learn to sense and discern the voice of the good shepherd calling you here, calling you there. It's not weird. We believe in it. That's part of how I'm married. It's not just my decision, but I believe, and I stood before God and my family and told Mary Lynn that day, I believe God has called you here. It's why I'm in Holland, Michigan, instead of Alexandria, Louisiana, because I believe God spoke and I answered. Do you have a prayer life? with the ears of your heart, if you will, tuned to God, Daniel could turn to God in prayer, get a dream and its interpretation, and deliver it. Daniel then gives what he has from the Lord. God gives, Daniel passes on. It reminds me of that marvelous story in Acts 3.6, A lame beggar speaks to Peter and John, will you give me some money? They're poor folks, Peter and John. They say, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. Rise and walk. Whatever God would give them, they would give to others. You see, friends, at root, the answer is the Lord. It's not just, I'll make your terrible day better. It's not just, I'll fix your external problem. It's that there is a God whose life will give you new life. Now, I speak about the statue on the blog. 
because what he had was a, a dream of a statue and he delivered that to the king and it put the king at peace and it gives us some sense of at least three things. I'm gonna say that in the dream and the statue, we see that God has history under control. Isn't that good news? He was telling Nebuchadnezzar, I see the future. This is your kingdom. There'll be another kingdom. Your kingdom isn't forever and it will be weaker. So God has history under control and things are headed downhill. Good news. Oh, wait a minute. I'm a modern America. We fix things. We create, our life is getting better and be until. I wanna tell you, because of sin, this world is working its way down. Oh, we can feed more people, but we can also kill more people. We can create great cities and then lose control. The dream shows us that God has history under control, and that things are headed downhill, but there is something important coming. The scripture says, the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. He's pointing to the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the gospel. Here's the presence of Christ in this passage. Daniel would have heard in the writings of King David, he would have heard David write this. David sang to the Lord the words of his song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. David said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock. So when Daniel sees this vision of the rock that will put all other kingdoms to end, a rock that's not made by man but by God, he doesn't know what it looks like exactly but he, he can hear the echoes of King David. He sees this vision. And friends, where we are placed in history, we can now look back and see both. Daniel was seeing the hope of the gospel that is to come, in which we see it completed in the cr cross and are then sent out with that good news. I want to point you, friends, to these three things, proximity, empathy, and generosity. What God gives to me, I give to others. This is how grace in Daniel's heart played out and guided his everyday life. Let me give you a picture in closing and some stories that kind of pull this together. I want you to picture, if you're on the live stream or right here, we see just a simple tree. And as I look at that tree, I remember proximity. Every tree or agricultural plant will need ground prepared, a garden prepared. You set it aside, you want it irrigated, you want fertilizer. Our proximity to the people that God has placed us close to is like preparing a garden. You may have to take some stones out, you may have to pull the turf off, but it's preparation for something greater. In the course of that proximity, in the course of that, God's spirit can work within us an empathy. And that, my friends, in the picture works out to me like cultivating crops. It takes time. It takes care. It's a work of God. We plant the seeds, but something not of us happens. I want to tell you, God has called us to have proximity and let him develop empathy just as we prepare a garden and then plant seeds and he wants to get us to a place where 
we can share what he gives us, that there's a generosity. Having received, we give and share of our time, our expertise, our prayer of the message of the gospel. That's the bearing fruit. This is what Daniel is doing. Can you see it? He's living out Jeremiah 29 right here in this foreign land. He's making known to them what it is to serve and to know God and what he is doing. I want to tell you, I have seen this same grace work out here at Hardawike. Let me tell you some of those stories. I've heard many and varied stories about this, proximity, empathy, and generosity. Some of you have been around the country with World Renew to see brokenness and develop a heart for it and to be part of an answer. Serving at Rehoboth Christian School in New Mexico with the Navajo or Abundant Life Schools in Honduras, you don't spend time there and come away the same unless you build a wall. Proximity, it means you move into the neighborhood, not as a tourist, but as a resident, to share the rain, to share the sunshine, to face the floods. Empathy, it means you get to know your neighbors, to feel their frustrations, their hopes, and their fears, and in some way to share them and to resonate with them. And then generosity, what God gives to you, you give to your neighbors, not your strength or your agenda or your resources, but what you receive from God. Ah, but my resources are from God. You're beginning to see it. We're stewards of what he's given us. And he's placed us and given us connection with people that out of what he's given us might flow his goodness and the gospel. This is the story of Mika's lunch. Grew right up here around us. Proximity, short-term mission groups end up in the Dominican Republic with kids. Sharing life, it's like clearing the garden, getting out of your own town and into their life. Empathy, over time you begin to realize the kids are missing school because they need to work for their family. They're tired from hunger. And you know what? Their motto, poverty is hard. That's why God's grace works in us with an abundance and a generosity. I can't alter the world, but I can get with my gospel posse. I've heard the story of how they came back from Dominican Republic. Empathy connected them, and they would not stop till they figured out a way to get meals to kids in school. Yeah, poverty's hard, but feeding a child, that ought to be easy. Folks, let's go do it. Daniel is living out. The word of the Lord given through Jeremiah 29, settle, plant, have roots, pray for the city, work for the shalom. Daniel in this chapter is living out what God called him to. Make that connection. Let it inspire you and guide you and motivate you. Proximity, empathy, generosity. In a foreign land like Babylon, it looks like Daniel. This, by the way, is the Great Commission. Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations and I am with you always. Friends, go means a change of location. Follow Jesus to a new proximity. Give him time for empathy so that your heart breaks for what breaks the heart of Jesus and then generosity, what God gives you. You pass along to others. I mentioned that I meet with my own gospel posse and tomorrow we will look at this particular reading. It's 
reflecting on Exodus 3. Do you remember uh, Moses has been out in the wilderness and God calls him. And in chapters 3 and 4, Moses goes, oh, I'm old. I've done bad things. I can't speak. Get somebody else. Well, let's watch how Paul David Tripp reflects on this event. He says that Moses omits the ultimate fact that changes everything about the way we think and should respond to God's call. That fact is not the difficulty of the calling or your perceived ability to answer that call. It is not the size of the situation or the size of your wisdom and strength. This life-changing fact is that the God of glory and grace who calls his people to do his will on earth always goes with them as they obey his calling. He never sends without going to. When he sends you, he doesn't give you a bunch of stuff to help you along the way. He always gives you himself. Why? Because he himself is what you need and he alone can give you what is required. Friends, there's never any need to fear what God will ask of you with proximity and empathy. There's never any need to fear what God will ask of you because in the asking is always the promise of grace to empower your heart and hands. Jesus is not asking for your ability, though he may use it. He can give you what you need. He is asking for our availability. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God and Father, we thank you for the refreshing power and energy of the gospel to see a young man like Daniel under threat of death, living by your grace, that you placed him there and gave him a proximity that enabled him to have an empathy with the players around him, the other people. And because he sought you, not his own wisdom, he was given a word for the moment that he lived out and that brought life and peace and flourishing. Shalom. Father, it's hard for us to believe that you could use us in our homes or in our workplaces or in our school classrooms, the grocery store, with a family member. But you've given us proximity. Let us not harden our hearts. Give us an empathy. And then a deep trust in you, O God, that we might see the wonder of your glory. For we pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people sit together. Amen and amen. Let's sing together. We'll stand and sing together. Uh, The ends of all the earth shall hear.
and now receive the benediction of our God, the words of Jesus to his church. All authority has been given in heaven and in earth has been given to Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded you. And behold, Jesus is with you to the ends of the age. Amen? And amen. Let's give him glory.